Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast Supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. Hello, everybody, and welcome along to another Total Italian Football podcast brought to you by the team at total-italianfootball.com. We're here to talk through match day 22 of this Serie A season, even if match day 21 still hasn't been fully played, but we will get to that at some point before March, I think. We'll, we'll see. We'll see how that goes. I'm Connor Clancy. I'm back to host. Ewan Burns is here with me. Hi, Ewan. Hello, how are you? I'm okay. You're not a strawberry. Are you okay? No, well, I wanted to be, but uh, there was a vote and I wasn't allowed. So now I'm just sat in front of a fancy castle with a dragon behind me. You say there was a vote. I voted no. You voted yes. So why have you undone it? Yeah, but the, the other two abstained. So, okay. So I went with the host. Fine. Appreciate it, even though you're hosting. We've also got <laughs> Kevin Fugzelski here. Hello, Kevin. You look like you're sat on a beach somewhere yeah i'm sat outside my caravan i've been kicked out uh so good so good in the pogzowski household excellent that might get taken seriously yeah. <laughs> wow well, yeah <laughs> we're being children today and we've been playing with filters on whatever this is that we <laughs> use and kev's chosen a funny one we've also got vito doria here who appears to be in a big city without too many big buildings but it could be Milan. Hi, Vito. How are you? Hi, Connor. I'm good. Yeah, it could be Milan. Could even be the middle of Melbourne. But in Melbourne these days, there are a lot more high-rise buildings than what's on my filter there. So, yeah, it beats being in the suburbs. <laughs> <laughs> You're right. It, it beats being here as well because the sky looks nice there and it's very much not here. But we are here to talk about football. Guys, Serie A has been... It's been a weird all weekend, hasn't it? Match day 22. But before we get into it, let me just say, and as I've said a few times now, but not enough people are listening. Some people are, some people aren't. If you want to guarantee that you listen to this podcast every single week, you need to go to your podcast player and search for the Total Italian Football Podcast. If that doesn't work, we will be on Spotify and Google Podcasts as well, guaranteed. Total Italian Football Podcast is what you need to search for. It's the only place where we can guarantee that this podcast will be out every single week. Anyway, the weekend's results so far. Friday saw Cagliari Torino, and Torino left Sardinia with a 2-1 win. Duvan Zapata was on the score sheet, which means I was happy. Atalanta beat Udinese 2-0 on Saturday. Juve then went down to 10 men very, very early on against Empoli and drew 1-1 at the Allianz. Milan-Bologna finished 2-2 in what was probably the best game of the weekend at the San Siro. We had Alessandro Bay there for us. And on Sunday, Genoa beat Lecce 2-1. Verona Frosinone finished 1-1. Monza beat Sassuolo 1-0. Lazio Napoli was the worst game of the season, and that finished goalless. And then Inter went away to Florence and beat Fiorentina 1-0. Salernitana against Daniele De Rossi's Roma is on Monday night. Oh, I think... Everything in me wants to start at the San Siro with Milan Bologna, but I think it's only right if we go to the league leaders, guys, because Inter are back on top. They've still played a game fewer than Juve, but they are now ahead of them, ahead of next week's Derby d'Italia as well, which adds a little bit of spice to that because now Juve kind of need to win it, which is probably better for the neutrals tuning in. Lautaro Martinez got the game's only goal here. Kev Mbalanzola had one ruled out just before he got it, but Lautaro, another good header, another good goal, another big goal, another big contribution. Like, at this point, what more is there that we can say about Lautaro Martinez that hasn't already been said a hundred times before? Yeah, well, firstly, it was a phenomenal header from a, a you know, quite a tight, tight angle, really, um, to get it in there from the corner kick. There was a, a stat which I have not checked, but it was TNT Sports in the UK that put it up that 
He's now leveled Maro Icardi as 124 goals as Inter's all-time top scorer, which just feels like he's done it almost stealthily. You don't realise that he's, he makes that much of a goal-scoring contribution before this season to the team, whereas Icardi did play in a much worse Inter side and it seemed to be everything uh, went through him and you know he was always the man that would pop up with with winners in the derby that I was you know I was at actually one year um, and he's 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 led from start to finish because he doesn't look look like he's going to have this sort of sticky spell that he's had in previous seasons yeah. with Inter. Yeah, it it does look like that patchy Lautaro has been left in whatever season last season was, 22-23. There is another Lautaro stat that's popped up courtesy of Opta, which is that he has scored 19 goals in the current Serie A season. And before him this year, the last player to score so many goals for Inter after 21 matches was who? Question for everybody. Anybody wants to take it? I can tell you the year, 2002-03. Christian Vieri? Vito's got it, obviously. Yeah. He has. Well done, Vito. It was very mm-hmm. impressive. I could see you kind of had it before I gave the season as well. And then that just reinforced in your head. But that yeah. does show how good of a season he's having. Like, I think when he was playing up top with Lukaku that season, we kind of took Lautaro for granted because Lukaku was a bit more, I don't know, attention grabbing in that title winning season under Conte. But Lothario just keeps doing it, Vito, and he's going to fire them to the Scudetto again this season, isn't he? The way things are going, he probably will be because his record already is impressive. Um, he scored 19 now, if I'm not mistaken, and last season he scored something like 21. So he should eclipse that pretty easily, assuming that he does not have one of his slips. And just echoing what Kev said previously, I think it looks like he won't have that slump. He's just been so fantastic this season, so reliable. I reckon the captain's armband has also played a part too, giving him more responsibility. And, yeah, I can't really see at this stage how Inter are really going to slip up unless they have a mass injury crisis. Yeah, but even then, they've just got such good depth in this squad, don't they? I think one of the things that really shone through for me here, Ewan, was that David Fratesi started, and he hasn't always looked entirely settled in this Inter team. Inter have an incredibly contrasting record with or without Hakan Chalanoglu in the team. I think they've lost, like, was it four in five games this season? Four tonight without Chalanoglu having played, but he wasn't there tonight. They got the job done, and it was a midfield three of Mkhitaryan, Aslani, and Fratesi, which is, as far as Inter goes, somewhat makeshift. Yeah, because at least two of those players are the sort where they're like, we know they're good midfielders, but in any team, it could it could flip either way, where it's like, oh, the drop down's a bit big because they're out of form, or actually they can step up and play really well, and they've they've got the latter because Prasadi became a bit I, I almost forgot about him because mm. he started quite well there and then disappeared I, I, I think he might have had a little injury but he certainly wasn't like injured the whole time or anything he just wasn't getting played um then he, he he scored the winner didn't he was it against Verona the other week and then it all seems to have clicked into gear for him um and Aslan is one of those players that maybe hasn't had the impact they'd want necessarily but They've kept him around, and he, he clearly can do a pretty solid job. Um, a stat caught my eye. When you talk about depth, um, Yanara Bissek has started playing quite a bit more in the past maybe month or two. Uh, Pava has also been playing a lot more. They, they've, they've sort of got more defensive depth now than they than it felt like they did at the start of the season because you didn't really see those two players. Um, Dazone's coverage in Italy showed that um, between the 76th and the 90th minute, they haven't conceded a goal this season, which no one else can say, which is oh, quite mad. In the last like, 15 minute of any game. Yeah, so like, wow. mentality-wise, that counts for a lot. Um, like, if, if you if you keep conceding late goals, you, chances are you're going to do it more and more. That's mm-hmm. well, We've seen that a million times in football, and they just don't seem to do it. Can I make a prediction? 
Next game. <laughs> yeah, they're going to concede in the last 15 minutes yep. against Juve, and it's going to be a results-changing goal. And Lazaro now won't score for 10 weeks. <laughs> <laughs> Although I think me saying that that's going to happen means that Inter are going to steamroll Juve, and even if Juve score, it's going to be 3-1 or something. That's the but, thing, though, right? So that, that's the one bit of the squad where there isn't depth in terms of it, the drop is to Sanchez and Arnautovic. Uh, Arnautovic has done a couple of little things this season, but he's also done some pretty shocking things. Yeah. Um, there was a couple in this game. There was, a, there was a moment where they definitely could have got a second towards the end. And all he had to do was play it first time back across to Mkhitaryan and he took another touch and let the chance go away. It's Kev's turn, everyone. Sorry, I'm laughing because <laughs> he's sitting there like quite content, not really needing to put in you mentioned Marco Arnautovic and boom he put his hand up immediately <laughs> go on Kev well it, it, this week it's not in defence of him um, <laughs> because it was it was notable at the Supercoppa when um, uh, Napoli, Napoli went, I nearly forgot who they played Napoli went down to 10 men and um, Inzaghi chose to sort of throw on Arnautovic and Alexis Sanchez, but he kept Lautaro Martinez on. Or it almost said, "Yeah, okay, I'm gonna go all out attack, but actually, I can't take off my my striker that is absolutely shattered." And obviously, he pops up with the winner, and all the other two did largely is just cause confusion, as if you were throwing probably a couple of centre halves, you know, back back two decades ago, up top to sort of <laughs> cause confusion. And actually, that that I think that screams how little. Uh, Inter have got as alternatives in in attack after Martinez. They, right, fine, but most teams would be very very happy with two top class strikers, and Inter do have that. Like, if, if one of the strikers gets injured, they do still have Marcus Thuram or Lautaro Martinez, which most clubs don't. And I I know they play with two up top, where most sides don't. But I think they're still okay. If one of those players gets in, probably less so if Lataro does, but touch wood, he doesn't because we don't want to see the best players getting injured, especially when they're playing in, in this kind of way. But yeah. I think domestically, 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 that you're, you know, European football, you know, uh, any team any team that got to the Champions League final, you would assume they would want to go one better this year. And I know that is very, very difficult outside of the sort of financial strength of Real Madrid and Premier League sides. Mm. Um but yeah, I think it'll it will show them up in Europe. That's that's the problem. Yeah, I, I don't know. I get what you're saying. It's probably a discussion for a different time, but I don't think any Italian club at the moment can realistically be aiming to win the Champions League at the beginning of every season. I think since probably twenty eighteen that's not really been the case unfortunately. But Fiorentina did miss a penalty. They did have a goal ruled out for offside in the first half. Um and they did come quite close to scoring in the last 15 minutes against Inter. Good God. That, I'm going to, I'm sorry, we're early enough in the pub, but that fucking penalty, Ewan, that is one of the worst penalty kicks that I think you'll see this season. And there's been a lot this weekend alone because I think this was the fifth missed penalty. Let me just check. Yes, this is the first time that five penalties have been missed in a single Serie A match day since Opta has been collecting that data since 2005. And there's still a match left to play. So let's hope Lorenzo Pellegrini misses one from the spot tomorrow. Um, it was just so bad, though, wasn't it, from Nico Gonzalez? It was a bit nasty at the end, though, wasn't it? I forgot who you liked as I was saying that. <laughs> hope. <laughs> um, yeah, he had the exact correct reaction, which which was sheer embarrassment and shock. He looked sufficiently embarrassed at what he'd done. Um, you'd, you'd I, think that. I, sorry. Please do. Do you know why it's extra annoying? Because Jan Sommer's the goalkeeper. And we've seen before that Jan Sommer doesn't get tricked by that type of penalty. Does nobody remember mm. Jorginho against Switzerland? Like, Jan Sommer <laughs> is the master against that type of penalty. It, it personally offended me. It's just that sort of. But you, you simply have to get it right in the corner and he was nowhere near like not like not only did someone go the right way but he was also nowhere near the corner regardless um and the power chances are if someone had gone the wrong way he may well have still gotten back across um so that and then that, there was a shot that gonzalez had from very far out not too long after which was very much the action of the man that knew that he'd he'd really fucked up yeah um 
he, he sort of he's probably got enough in the bank from a Fiorentina perspective where like people won't really hate him for that because from what I see of from Fiorentina fans talking, they do seem to treat their team as with Gonzalez and without Gonzalez. Right. They they are infinitely better with him. Um but but that won't have helped with that opinion. Nope, it won't have helped. And that win does send Inter back to the top of the table because 24 hours before, Juventus dropped points at home to Empoli. Arik Milik got sent off as early as the 18th minute and then it was a bit of a struggle. I think we were chatting in the WhatsApp group, weren't we, where I said Allegri's Juve are the last team that you want to go down to 10 men because they already have a certain type of play. To be playing that way with 10 men is only going to accentuated, but they, they ended up taking the lead, Vito, through Dusan Vlaovic. Um, but Tommaso Baldanzi leveled things up, and I, I think Empoli were probably good enough value for the point. Yeah, I have to agree with that assessment. It's only been two games into David De Nicola's reign as the Empoli coach, but he's already made changes, and they already look a bit more competitive now. So to get the draw, despite uh, Vlaovic giving Juve the lead, I think it's a very well-earned point. And for them, it will definitely feel like a victory because, you know, after all, it's it's Juve. So it makes, it makes the point even more special. Yeah, I think any team that goes away to the Allianz and gets a point celebrates it like it's a win. But particularly when you're you're coming into the match day, in the bottom three like it's such a huge huge result kev you along with me watched this i know that for a fact and you were having a lovely time weren't you uh it was awful <laughs> um and it was um it was it was it was largely the, the sort of what we are on like the 25 minutes of the first half that were particularly bad after um juventus went down to 10 men it felt like those well-drilled uh, Allegri sides that are quite functional and mechanical didn't really know how to function with one piece missing. Um, Empley looked in shock, really, at the amount that Juve were allowing them to have the ball. And, and Juventus didn't look any different until they'd gone in at half-time. Almost, you know, Allegri had to move his pieces around and, and, and tell them what mm -hmm. to do again. And then they came out and, and, and scored. Uh, what five minutes into the second half, but again from a from a set piece, which is which is classic classic Juve. And the fact that it was their first red of the season, I think, was maybe one of the reasons why they they looked so out of sorts because they just weren't they weren't used to that. And mm. it, it was a, it was it was a stat that shocked me a little because I, I'm surprised any team can get to more than halfway through the season without, without a red card the way that we have VAR reviews and everything else these days and. Um, but it was, you know, it was a definite red. It was just misjudged because uh, Milik had taken an awful touch when sort of trying to control the ball. It was a bit silly, wasn't it? Like the area of the pitch, he, di he didn't need to do it, but obviously he wasn't trying to do what he ended up doing. It is one of those misjudged. It happens. It was a red card. Um, but who is this a more significant point for, Ewan? Is it is at a more significant point for Empoli? at the bottom or is it more significantly two points dropped for Juventus I'm leaning towards Juventus mainly because Empoli won the previous weekend um, and they've got yet another coach and it's Davide Nicola and maybe they might be alright now in the grand scheme of things we'll have to see they're only one point away from safety and there's incidentally it's tightened right up that mm -hmm. bit at the bottom there um so I think there will be other opportunities for Empoli to get um, three points, whereas you fear there there are less opportunities where Inter are going to drop points um, for you though, to take advantage of. It has tightened right up. Would you go as far as to say that everybody from 13th down is firmly in it? Yes, I would say that. So we've got Frozen on three points. And then, I'm not going to list all of the points, but we've got Lecce, Sassuolo, Verona, Udinese, Cagliari, Empoli, and Serenitana. So, pick any three of those to get relegated this season. Kev, you want to say something? I just wanted to point out for Vito's benefit that Genoa are above 13th. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, well, that. Genoa are fine, aren't they? Genoa are, <laughs> Genoa are on the beach now, really. Yeah. No, they're really, on the beach, yeah. at least. They're with me. 
So with me, with Bummy's, they're just playing football beyond the caravan. <laughs> I completely forgot that that was a thing there until you brought it back. Um, but Genoa do look fine. and They're unbeaten in seven. Is it as many as seven? Yeah, quite a few That's draws in there. mad. One, two, three, four draws in that seven, which is, is relevant, but... <laughs> Points on the board are points on the board. Yeah. Don't be criticising that. And a team who got a point on the board deservedly were Bologna because they went away to Milan and they went ahead, didn't they? Through Joshua Zirkze in the first half. And then Milan missed a penalty, but then Ruben Loftus-Cheek kind of spared Olivier Giroud's blushes, who himself, by the way, took a pretty poor penalty. And then Milan got another penalty in the second half and Teo Nandez missed the penalty which was just remarkable but then he seemed to forget the rules because he he took the ball after he hit the post and scored and went away celebrating and obviously it was cancelled because you can't touch the ball without another player touching it in between um but then Ruben Loftus-Cheek went and saved his blushes as well but then in the end it didn't matter because Bologna got a penalty and Riccardo Rossellini actually scored it you and your hand is up yeah only to briefly say that I really enjoyed the Zerxe goal because um, is it is it like a Marvel film or something that the meme is from? I don't know, but you know the whole "I'll do it myself" thing. It felt like that because there was all these like people smashing the ball at the goal and it pinging back off the post and all. all it was all a bit mad, and then it just sort of appeared at the side at the hardest um, at the hardest angle, and he just absolutely leathered it yeah. through all the bodies into the back of the net. I quite enjoyed it. He's like, I I am the real striker in this team. I'm going to do it <laughs> myself after you've all had a bit of a crap attempt. It was one of those really nice finishes in a crowded space that ends up being a double nutmeg as well. It nutmegged the defender, I can't remember who it was, and then it went through Magnan's legs as well, which is always pleasant, particularly from a tight angle, I'd say, as well. Remember there was one a few years ago? Oh, who was it? Who was it? I think it was a Chelsea player against Spurs, and they took a shot from like the edge of the box and it went through three players' legs before it went into <laughs> the net. It was really satisfying to see it. Um, but Zixay's having a fine season, isn't he, Vito? Like, you just every time you seem to think that, okay, yeah, we kind of get what this striker is about, he puts in another performance and you think, oh no, he's even better than we originally thought. He's really just found his place with Bologna. Uh, we've mentioned it before on this podcast that Tiago Motta's put his trust in him and he scored some really well taken goals. It's they're not just tap-ins. They're actually, you know, goals in which Xerxes has shown some fine ball control and know how to place the ball into the net. And it was a bit of a shame that he did squander a chance in the second half where he put that shot over the bar because he really deserved to have scored a second. And I think also in general, just the way he's involved in the play, he's not just fixed in that centre-four position. He will drop back or drift to a wing just to help his teammates in the construction of the play. Uh, that was the thing for me in this game. He was everywhere, like absolutely everywhere. His all-around game was just close to perfect, as close to perfect as you're probably going to see from a centre-forward this season. Um, Ruben Loftus-Cheek, Kev, I know you're a proud Englishman, so I'll let you talk about one of your own flying the flag in Milan. Um, he had a really good game as well. Two important goals, two different goals, but just another performance from him that shows you why that there was all this excitement when he when he came to Italy in the first place. Less of the proud Englishman. <laughs> um, I thought yeah. if I spoke enough after saying that, you'd forget about it and just get on with uh, the point. No, no, because all it did was made me angry at the proud bit and just forget <laughs> and not not listen to the rest of what you were saying. Um, Say something nice about Ruben Loftus Cheek. I, I did have I did have Loftus Cheek lined up as my um, player of the week. Um, he, you know, I'm still struggling to get out of my mindset that don't get too excited by it because he'll be injured again because you know that is kind of where his his career up to this point has has stalled. But he looks he looks people go on about the physical strength. There was, there was somebody put a tweet out sort of during the game going, oh you know, nobody else can match his physical strength. And and that may well be the case. You know, he's a big he's a big strong sort of unit. But I think it's actually his the talent. You know, it's not that he's too good but he's if he really gets a really, really long run in the side and, and Milan get a bit more consistency, although they were what they were four, run, 
four wins on a bounce for this, but he should be dominating this league. And he, he he looks like he's got that in him, so it is really nice to see. But yeah, unfortunately, he's he's almost he's almost like doing the the Bellingham thing that Bellingham's doing in Madrid. Now Bellingham is a mm. unbelievable talent, but it's that it's like a, it's like it's like man playing with children at times yeah. when you sort of watch him just sort of striding past people and sort of you know as if they're not there. It's, yeah, um, he, he does glide like that, doesn't he? Burnsy, do you want to say the word that you like to say so much about Ruben Loftus Cheek's style of play? He's a silky footballer, isn't he? <laughs> Especially the the first goal he scored. That it was. I don't know if silky is the word for that goal, but it was clever. Um, it was an unusual type of finish, but it was like you could see the thought behind it. He, he knew what he was doing there, but it definitely caught some people off guard. Question for you guys: um, Teron Andes, does he have? the face that is most perfectly suited to looking like he doesn't have a clue what's going on around him. And by that, I mean, is he the thickest looking footballer in Serie A? Because I think he is. And I think a lot of what we see very much supports that. And it was supported on Saturday evening as well. Any any other candidates you'd like to throw out there? I think there was one on the pitch. I think I think Alexis Salamakas looks equally stupid. Oh, okay. <laughs> and, and, and there was there were times where, you know, because he came off the bench and he put some awful passes when it was two two, and I thought to myself, you just you you want you want to live in Milan, you want to go back, you want mm. you want to go back to this place, and you don't want to be seen as this, you know, you don't want to set up a winner here for Bologna, you know, because they were pressing towards the end. Um, but yeah, he's got a he's got a bit. Of, I'm not sure if this is. Are we allowed to use this word anymore? Um, oh, no, don't say uh, it. Don't. Gormless. It's gormless. Is that not a word? Oh, that's fine. Isn't it's it? fine. Gormless. Yeah, yeah, I'm not sure if it's got any. You know, oh! if, if it's come from somewhere else. <laughs> if it does, yeah. I don't know. Yeah. I never know. When, I never know where some of these terms originate from, um, which okay. is often often a discussion in our house when we hear sort of something. Like, oh, there's one of them actually that I want to ask you guys about. You UK-based guys about after this podcast is recorded. I've got oh, that's a... a shame. We could have gone in. We could have nah. gone down a wormhole there. <laughs> nah, because <laughs> it, it feels like something that just people haven't realised is horrible yet. And I'm every time I hear it, I'm like, how are you getting away with that still on television? But anyway, I think we should move on before someone does say something terrible here. Um, are we moving are on we... from the game? No, I, I want to move oh. on from Milan and talk about the, the fun team here, which was very much oh, Bologna, good. because, oh, Kev, good. you want to talk about them, don't you? They're one of your two favourite teams in Italy, along with Genoa, and they were excellent. There's very little to dislike about Bologna. Agreed. Play City team. Yep. And, People, every, um... everything, everything. It's great. The only was... thing I'd ever level at them was being boring, but but they're not now. Like this season, they've they've got rid of that. There's been a few years where they they have just existed and not really played particularly interesting football. But that's now gone. That's a big well. marker. I, I was sat there Saturday night, and I I was trying to work out because I, I was trying to work out. I I just watched a fucking awful game with Juve, and I'd had a I'd had a very nice I'd had a very nice steak cooked by myself. I must add, um, and and I was I was tucking into a bottle of red wine that Mister Burns bought us when we moved into our flat, and it was delicious. Uh, you Hello. And uh, even I didn't really realize what you were about there. And I thought, <laughs> I thought, I, I thought, is it the wine? I thought, is it the awful Juventus uh, game beforehand? But there's just so much to love about Bologna. You know, the the, the 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 thing that got me was the bravery passing out from the back. You know, the amount of times Skripski is like passing it almost like two yards from his goal line, and but he's passing it between strikers out to sort of, and then Ferguson. I don't, I knew Lewis Ferguson was good. But there was something was about his performance. Season, there was something about a performance last night. I think whether it was the stage and you looked at him. And, you know, I'm not Scottish. I don't really watch international football. I don't know if he's if, if he must be starting for Scotland. No, as far as I know, he can't get in the oh team. Oh god, he? that is shocking. And then you think he's no. got the cap. He's got the captaincy. And then when they had, obviously he was the person that got penalised for the penalty. That, you know, the first penalty that Giroud missed. Um, and the way he's conversing with a referee, and I'm standing, I'm thinking. I'm 43 years old nearly, and I don't think I could have, you know, uh, at any point in my life, sort of be able to converse with a ref in a foreign language, yeah. have his have his sort of, I was going to call him colleagues, but teammates sort of look up to him. 
And yeah, just so much to love about Bologna. I'll probably stop eulogising over there and let somebody out. No, it's deserved. I'll never um, stop you from eulogising over Bologna. And I do love Lewis Ferguson as well. Just for the sake of clarifying, because I, I think it must be mad if he's not playing regularly, especially when you consider they use Scott McTominay in defence often as well. So that removes like one of their best midfielders from the midfield. Um, he does seem to be playing more for them recently. In the, in the last set of um, matches, he did 90 minutes, 45 minutes, 20 minutes. Okay. So I think I think he's, he's, he's getting in there a bit now, but it definitely I, seems to have taken longer than you think. Don't mean to put you on the spot, but who did those minutes come against? Uh, 90 was against France, but that oh. was a friendly. And then ah. the qualifiers, he got 45 minutes against Georgia and 20 against Norway. Okay. So, He's getting there. Um, well, I mean, that is a Scotland might have already been qualified, had they, by that point? But it's good that he's <laughs> he's in the setup. Um, Norway was he's... the one that mattered, but he got 20 minutes. Right, okay. Maybe come off the bench there. He's bloody good enough. Excellent, excellent player. And we'd like to see more of that. Speaking of Scottish players, can we segue like this? One of them's just been on the move from one Serie A club to another. Josh Doig. Doig. I still don't know how that works. And I have had it told to me by a Scottish person, and I forgot. Um, he's well, by Doig. He's gone to Sassuolo from Verona from one relegation fight to another. But I still think this is probably a good move for him. Sassuolo did lose 1-0 at Monza over the weekend, though, Vito. And this is a result that kind of puts Monza firmly enough in that safe zone with Genoa, uh, probably just beneath Torino. But Monza are fine again this season. Yeah, they're more than fine at this stage. And the key man, Colpani, got the only goal of the game. So he's returned to form. And just in general about uh, Monza, yeah, they're a good team. I mean, they're a good unit. They're doing more than enough to avoid the drop. Um, The only downside I'd say about them is, yeah, they just really lack a really good striker that would push them into Europe. Otherwise, I think the rest of the team is generally good. However... I also pointed that, yeah, just whenever they've had uh, Michele Di Gregorio out, you could really tell that they're really missing something because in general, Di Gregorio has been a fantastic goalkeeper for them this season. Yeah, he's probably the goalkeeper of the season in, in Serie A so far, right? I think that definitely bears out in our team of the weeks anyway. He's been, particularly in the first few weeks of the season, he was pretty much always there um, to the point yes. where we just weren't even editing the graphic in goal. We're just leaving <laughs> him in place. But... They look fine. There was something about this game that really annoyed me, Ewan, which is, I think I messaged you about it already, didn't I? Oh, yes. Yeah, you did. So Sassuolo's first teams, Sassuolo's men and women's first teams were both playing in the province of Monza at three o'clock today. And it bothered me that they didn't just put one of them at six and then could have encouraged people to go along because it's about, what is it, from Monza City to Serenio, maybe 10 minutes on the train. But anyway... It wasn't to be. It wasn't to be. It would have been a nice day out in the province of Monza and Brianza, but oh well. Um, Atalanta won 2-0, not too far away from there. Alexi Moranchuk and Gianluca Scamacca got the goals at home to Udinese, and it was one of those lineups that when I saw it as an Atalanta supporter, I thought, mm, I think this might just be one of those funny lineups where things go so terribly wrong, because Gasparini had a bit of a pop at Gianluca Scamacca recently, publicly saying that he wasn't running enough. And then Skamaka went in and put in a brilliant performance and almost seemed apologetic when he scored his goal to the Atalanta fans, which was a funny one. But Kev, they're fourth now. They're very much in the Champions League chase, which is what they would have been hoping to be at the beginning of the season. And it's kind of just business as usual in Bergamo. Yeah, and it it didn't look like it was going to be for a while. It felt like they had to come to a sort of natural sort of tailing off. Um, But... There's not a lot else there, is there? Sort of chasing them down. Fiorentina have dropped points today. So, and De Ketelar, they're getting some um, tunes out of him because he set up both goals today. Um, so, yeah, Saw a stat, and it's not Dan now, but I think he's one of three players in Europe's top five leagues to have scored and assisted seven goals this season. Like he's he's having a really good time, and he's slipping under the radar. It feels like one of those stats where. Um, they they use those until somebody in the league gets to ten assists and then they can yeah. sort of start throwing it out. Um, but yeah, he's 
somebody else needed to get away from Milan and yeah, um, veto. Yeah, just more on uh, the Catalata. I think it's great that, you know, he has found his feet at Tatalanta and he supplied both assists against Udinese. So another fine performance from him. And he probably would have had a hat-trick of assists if uh, Emil Holm had scored with that scissor kick. That would have been an, an amazing goal mm. too. So that would have added further gloss to the win. Ewan's new favourite player, by the way, Holm, which means that Manchester United are going to overspend on him this summer and he's not going to kick a ball again, which yep. I cross my fingers for, but I do like him as well, so I don't really want him to get sold. But anyway. Um, there was actually sort of Ahmad's news today in that sense. No, not now. It's not long. It's just that he stayed on the bench against Newport in the FA Cup, and uh, uh, Amari Forson came on as a much younger academy kid who's also a winger. What was the fee for him? Significant. Thirty million after I think it was twenty-seven Serie A minutes. It was. It was some. It's one of them mad fees where I think it it was actually like fifteen, but it can become like thirty-six or something in, in a manner of different ways, which I imagine might not happen. Um, no, most likely it's going. But I hope it um, changes. I think we can stop talking about that now. Uh, to move on to something that I want to talk about, probably less. Um, Lazio Napoli, worst game of the season? Question. Right, let's throw it out. How many shots do you think we're on target in this game, Ewan? Um, see, I edited the report from Alistair. I don't think he said this. I'm just trying to think through the report now in my head. I okay. reckon I can think of one, but it was also ruled out as a goal. So I suppose so that doesn't, doesn't count. count. <laughs> um, I'm going to go with one. Okay, Kev, how many shots on target in this game? Two, just to be different and not. All right, and Vito, how many <laughs> shots on target do you think there were in this game? Zero or oh. three are your options. <laughs> yeah, I'm going to go with a big fat zero. <laughs> You're. <laughs> It's so, but there was one actually. There was yeah. a shot on target. Um, but yeah, the, the, still shocking. It's really still annoying shocking. in this game because something really brilliant happened, but it was offside, and we could have spent ten minutes talking about it. But because it was offside, it it doesn't actually exist because that's how football works, isn't it? But is this is the worst game of the season so far, Kev? Isn't it? I'm trying to think. If I have seen any worse. I um, immediately thought of, do you remember Milan-Juve last season? When it was offensively just, bad? That always comes into my head, that game. <laughs> I think that's one of the worst games of football scared. I've ever seen. <laughs> oh, makes me really angry. The, the, the I remember we did the podcast after that and we were all just fuming. <laughs> it got so it got longer than it should have just because it, it was so bad that it actually was worth talking about. The Juve-Empoli game this weekend felt like it was going that way. I'm now feeling um, quite pleased that I only caught the second half of <laughs> Lazio Napoli. However, if I put that with the first half of Juve Empoli, I'd still shit out of luck this weekend. Um, I think you're being overly harsh on the Juve Empoli game. I'm not trying to say it was good, but it had the the interest in that the good team were playing with a man down and the bad team had all of the ball. And, and I don't know, I, I kind of liked it for that reason. Yeah, well, the second half, because of that reason, but the first half, neither side knew what to do when... <laughs> it was like, Juve didn't know when I, sorry, Juve didn't know what to do with 10 men, and Empoli didn't know what to do if Juve weren't trying to attack them. Mm. And it was like, uh, okay. Uh, anyway. I think we can not talk about Lazio and Napoli and just use that Juve-Empoli chat as ticking the games, folks. <laughs> um, let's move on, shall we? Torino beat Cagliari 2-1 in Sardinia. Vito, um, Duvan Zapata and Samuel Ricci got the goals for Toro and Nicolas Viola scored for Cagliari in the second half, but it was too little too late. Yeah, it was, unfortunately, because the Viola goal was a lovely goal. However, the goal that Samuel Ricci scored, that was a very nice goal too, so... Um, yeah, valuable victory for Torino on the road, whereas for Cagliari, bit of a shame that they couldn't get a result just after just after Gigi Riva, the club legend, passed away. Mm-hmm. Of course, it probably should have mentioned that at the top, but I was too annoyed about some football things to mention it. Um, Verona won, Frozenone won. You and you can have this. 
I think I said this maybe last week, but there's another player I just realised has gone. Werner getting rid of all their, to my mind, best players. They're prepping um, for when they get relegated and can't afford yeah. them anymore. Because I didn't know that it had happened until he popped up with that incredible block in the game tonight, but Ferrioni has gone to Fiorentina. Yeah, I had a moment um, in the game tonight where I thought, when did he go there? Yeah, and, and thankfully for my own brain, it, it was this month. Um, so yeah, he's gone. Uh, Josh Doig Doig has gone. Um, Do you know how to say it? No, I just did both. Right, I'm glad I got really stupid. I'm really <laughs> pleased about that. Scottish listeners, to... tell us, please. Yeah, we should just ask Sanders to actually. I was with Alistair the other day. Yeah. Um, and we were yeah, talking about Scottish footballers in Italy. Um, and Gonj, he's gone. Um, so, yeah, good people be vacating. Good people be vacating. Um, can I alert your attention to one of the, the pet peeves that I have? And you and I'm sorry, but I think you might be the only person that's aware of this. You know when you like Google a, a score and you can click on and you see the formations. Well, every so often they do a really odd thing with players' names. <laughs> For example, Stefan El Shirawi is always listed as Il Faraone. He's never listed as El Shirawi, and it really annoys me. And it's been the case for as long as I can remember, which is at least six years. But when I've had it up to do the podcast on, um, there's another one that I've just noticed now. Frozenone's number nine, K dot J, which is obviously Kyle George. Oh but, yeah. But they've put like Davidovitz's full name there. Why couldn't they write Kyle George? <laughs> Darren Kane, all these long names. <laughs> it really bothers me. Um, way more than it should. Anything to say on that game other than Verona are losing all the good players? Well, I suppose it's quite a good point in the, in, in the context of losing all their players. Yep. Um, Frozen on here better than them. And they got a point, so well done. Well done. Vito, no, not Vito. I won't make you do this, Vito. Don't worry. Kev, your other favourite club, Genoa, got to win 2-1 at home to Lecce. Putting them very much in the little safety pocket with Monza as well. The darlings of Serie A, some may say. I think we all mm. like them here, don't we? There was a really cute moment after this game, actually. Ruslan Manolovsky and his little daughter went out onto the pitch and ran towards the curva and the curva did the big like way and it was very very nice it's the sort of club where that sort of thing happens right you need to steady on because you're just trying to provoke <laughs> don't know, aren't you? <laughs> yes, I um, yeah I, I think again well maybe it's maybe it's because of the same colors of bologna um but it's just it's you know i've got a little bit of a sorry for you i've got a little bit of a soft spot for Jenner. as the first sort of european side i saw uh, Liverpool play even though they beat us and um, they were so bad for so many years before they eventually did go down that it's just quite nice to have a you know strong a strong Genoese team in the league um, because of the Marassi you know because of the because of the That's arena the that they play in that. Uh, yeah, because it's, it's it's what the league needs. And, you know, Vito, we were joking in the chat that people can't see any jokes about winning the derby. And I do hope that Samp come back because the derby is something that Serie A needs. You know, we're, we're constantly looking at how they, they brand the league better and it's these sorts of games. Um, you know, people choose to go and write books about um, that the, the league needs to uh, improve its stature throughout the world. So, um, yeah, and, and it's quite nice to see Rategi get a goal because it feels like he was kind of thrust into coming to Syria quickly because of the call up to the Italian national squad. And I think there is there is something there about him. Um yeah. maybe not top top level and he probably won't get, you know, a ton of games for Italy, but um yeah, I I he sort of want him to do well. He feels like a a very not quite nineties, but like a two thousand and six striker. Do you know what I mean? It's something a little bit throwback to him, but not a big throwback, um, just a slight little um, pass back, if you will. But it's, Serie B is great. It doesn't look like Sampdoria are going to come up anytime soon, unfortunately. Um, but Serie B is a lot of fun. Vito, you're our Serie B man. And I'm going to throw over to you just after I say that I'm starting to get worried for Parma now because they tend to bottle the derbies in the last couple of years, even when they've been way better than Modena and, and Reggiana. And they got spanked 3 0 at Modena this weekend. And like Modena were, well, they're eighth now. They're just not really doing anything. And next up for Parma is Venezia, who 
are very much in third place level with Cremonese in second and knocking on the door of automatic promotion. So far, Parma now four points clear at the top. Fizo, tell us what else has been happening while I get worried. Well, I'll just briefly touch upon the fact that some did get a win against Cittadella, and Cittadella <laughs> have actually done pretty well this season. So they've been flying under the radar, look like a playoff contender, but some managed to put the winless streak to an end with a 2-1 win on the road and two goals from defenders, Gilardi and Giordano. So I'm happy with that. But the real action was in the other game. So you touched upon more than a three Parma nil. The first two goals in that game were fantastic, especially the first one from Thomas Battistella. I would encourage everyone to watch the City of B highlights and see that goal because he bet a few players and then just cracked one from distance. Really worth a go. Another interesting game was Pisa 2, Spezia 3. A valuable win for Spezia, who are in the relegation zone, but Daniele Verde just showed that he should be in Serie A. Even yeah. if let Spezia stay in Serie B or go down to Serie C, he's just a class above what's around him. And he scored a beautiful first goal, and then he chipped the penalty for his second. So another uh, great individual performance. And yeah, to end my quick summation, uh, Ferrapi Salo got probably one of the most surprising wins of the season. They smashed Leco. 5-1. Now, they've been pretty terrible in the first Serie A, uh, sorry, Serie B campaign, but in the last month or so, they've actually met some pretty good opponents or teams in form, so to earn an emphatic win like this really shocked me. So, yeah, maybe there's a real relegation battle on our hands in Serie B this season. I desperately, desperately, desperately hope that Spezia stay up. I've just had such a soft spot for them since they first got up to, to Serie A a couple of years ago with with all they did, um, but it's good. And obviously, Vito, you're writing weekly roundup articles on Serie B for total-italianfootball.com. So listeners, if you're interested, head over, read those. I am, am I going? I'm half planning on going to Parma Venezia on Saturday. I just need to clear things up first, but I think I should be there, which will be fun because Parma are going to bottle it and then it's going to get really, really nervy and no one's going to have a good time. While we're doing quick roundups, Bernsey, I'm coming to you. What's happening in the women's Serie A, Serie A Femenile? Well, it's time for the Milan fans to stop listening again. Um, <laughs> they won what? last time you when we said some... The women's team aren't good again this week. <laughs> we said some vaguely nice things about them. World. <laughs> <laughs> they, they followed up um, two wins in a row, albeit not both in the league. They followed it up with a nil draw with Pomeliana who are absolutely doomed and tried to for, leave the league. For context as well, yeah. They did try to leave the league in the middle of a match day this season. Yeah, they didn't even want to be there. They still couldn't beat them. They're also basically the women's equivalent of Verona this January, aren't they? Because they're getting rid of all their good players. Yeah. Yeah. They're like if as as Vita was it Vita that mentioned that Verona are prepping for dropping into Serie B, Pomiano are prepping for winding up basically um <laughs> just getting some of the admin out of the way mid-season that's what generally Honestly, what it feels like let's hope so because like good <laughs> god there's a lot of things in that club um roma obviously have, have had a had a wobble but they beat samp 2-0 so it feels like i'm just piling on veto now after what i was saying about jenna earlier but it nice. it's what happened um uh napoli two into three is closer than perhaps expected and quite a groovy game and friend of the gaff Anacloland scored a late winner for Sassuolo against a Como team that cannot buy a win anymore. There yeah. you go. Although they they have brought in a forward in Bayern Ooh. from Fiorentina, which I think could be a good little bit of business, but we'll have to see. Um, Bernsey and I will be doing the Women's Football Podcast later in the week, so tune in for that on patreon.com slash Football. And Bernsey, you're also doing a write-up. And between the two of us, we'll have the team of the week and the player of the week for that as yeah. well. Although still I, I was... Fiorentina on Monday yes. night, it should be said. So yes, factor that in. And that's going to be a good game. Um, yeah, that's the biggest of the weekend. Which I think is available to watch for free as well. I checked I'd the zones. And that one. But um, anyway, I'll do a check on the fly. Right, you carry on talking. I'm going to start wrapping up, Bernsey. Um, but anyway, Indeed. thanks everybody for listening. Thank you, Kevin. My pleasure, Connor. You look <laughs> pleasured to have been here. Uh, thank you, Vito. You're welcome, Connor. Frenzy, say goodbye because I'm saying goodbye now and then press the button. Bye.
Bye.